0: And welcome back to another episode of Marlin's Corner. This is Marlin, and we're so glad to have y'all back today on the docket. We're going to be talking about Genius, Love is Blind, and Cuphead. First things first, let's start with some Cuphead, y'all. Now, if you haven't played Cuphead, Cuphead is a roguelite uh, game that involves two cups that have finger pistols and they fight and shoot little rubber hose animation characters because they're trying uh, to get the souls back from their little little inkwell town that's too much backstory and lore for you the show doesn't have all that it's very simple and it just follows a very beat by beat episode and each episode is only 12 to 15 minutes long so hey there you go 12 episodes very short Go ahead and check it out. The director is Adam Polowin, who has helmed uh, some SpongeBob SquarePants episodes, about 32 to be exact. And the writer and show developer is David Wasson, who is behind uh, Star versus the Forces of Evil and Mickey Mouse. So some animation is done. And these two have been around. So, hey, they're not new to this. Uh, the style, of course, is, as I said earlier, uh, it's rubber hose animation. Think Steamboat Willie, which is an early Mickey Mouse character, or Betty Boo, basically... The limbs of the characters uh, lack like hinged wrists or elbows and they're kind of free flowing and wiggly looking. So that's a rubber hose character. It looks great. Honestly, they do a great job of not making it look too old school, adding some great pops of color, as well as throwing in some other styles of animation. You see some claymation style thrown in there, some style that kind of reminds you if you watch Chowder or a Cartoon Network definitely some mixture of animated styles to kind of make things a little wacky and goofy. If you grew up watching Looney Tunes, it'll definitely send you on a nostalgia trip. Now, while this show doesn't aim to be huge or break the internet in any way, uh, Cuphead is still enjoyable to watch. It has a very short runtime, which means you can watch 12 episodes in a short time span, which honestly is kind of refreshing. You know, you don't have to devote your entire afternoon or your entire weekend to kind of cram it through. You can watch it in one sitting in about an hour maybe even less if you like have it on 1.5 speed so final verdict for this would be about a five out of ten now a five score isn't bad it just means it's a very average film. It, it's an average show. It doesn't really stand out, but it's kind of fun to watch, you know? It's something that you can do if you got time. You can check it out, and it has a bonus feature that there is a Wayne Brady character, King Dice, who's on here, and whenever you got Wayne Brady, it's always a special treat, you know? Next up, we're going to talk about Gene Yes, This is that Kanye West documentary. Uh, the director, producer, writer, and cameraman uh, is Cootie, uh, and Cootie is a longtime friend of kanye so long in fact that a lot of this footage is really like really old like there's like an 18 year old kanye who looks like a baby in this y'all now of course this is a documentary but it's shot in a very interesting way that i think breaks you know a few of like the normal documentary rules like if you're doing a documentary on jay-z you do it about jay-z this one even though the main subject is kanye Cootie, the childhood friend, also acts as the narrator and the second subject of the documentary. In doing so, he adds his own testimony and life experiences on top of what's being presented with Kanye. Now, I mean, thinking about all that, it sounds like it's a lot, but it's understandable considering the fact that after Kanye got successful, his friend Cootie was no longer part of his new and more famous inner circle. So we can see why the decision to fill the missing spaces with Cudi's own personal experiences would make sense. And it also helps that our journey with Kanye has so much to do with the hip hop scene in Chicago. And it also helps that our journey with Kanye has so much to do with the hip hop scene in Chicago being so close with one another. So close, in fact, that that's where he ends up meeting Cudi as well as a bunch of other major artists in hip-hop and R&B and the culture. When we do get to start uh, the documentary, we meet a young 17, 18-year-old Kanye as he's being interviewed by the director and cameraman, Kudi, who happens to be hosting the Chicago hip-hop show called Channel Zero. Now, in that interaction, we see this young Kanye who's like, yo, I'm going to be the next greatest thing. I'm going to be the new hotness. Uh, And Kudi decides that, you know what? I'm going to make this my big project i'm going to like follow this young man and hopefully we get to greatness hopefully we get him to like get that grammy and so we have him from that jump following around kanye and kanye being kanye at this young age is like yo i got a camera person i got a documentary being like put on about me and it helped his image you know he's an up-and-coming artist and telling people like yo i got a documentary about me that's a cool flex now it's important to state this If you do not like Kanye West, this documentary will not convince you otherwise. If you do like Kanye West as a musician, you will get the most out of the first two episodes. Those are the ones that really focus on Kanye's drive to be a musician, the length he's willing to go and his determination and his team behind him propelling him to greatness. The first episodes, you do see a young and hungrier Kanye uh, and he's currently trying to break the stigma that surrounds producer rappers. And that stigma is as producer rappers, you're only put in a category of other producer rappers. You're never really compared to a rapper. And so Kanye doesn't really like the connotation that comes with being a producer rapper. So he's trying to kind of share that layer of like, yo, he just makes beats and he raps nice. He's like, no, like I'm going to be the greatest rapper ever. Like I want this to be my goal. And we see him take that on by really wanting to make his first album, his best. He really wants it to be his like magnum opus. And so we watch him go through the hoops of calling in favors of these big artists that he has had the pleasure with recording with or having given beats to who are all around to help and support him. You know, you got Mos Def, Pharrell, Ludacris, Jimmy Fox, and many more. And all of them come in to support this young artist as he builds this album and an album that we all know and love college dropout now it has to be said that the first two episodes we see kanye west as an underdog which is almost you know an unfamiliar take on the kanye that we know now as someone who's just like he's this larger than life celebrity but to see him as a young underdog you can't help but kind of root for him to you know hey you can do this you know you have this passion you have this drive and it just it's so infectious to watch him just like be undeterred when there are obstacles in his way. You know, when he finally gets signed to Rockefeller Records, he's like feeling excited about it. But then his album keeps getting pushed back, and they're kind of like, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to you but also can you make beats for this other artist on our label and so you kind of see his frustration you're like oh let Kanye make his album give him a chance and so you're with him as he's like going to and fro to find people to record his album in different studios we, we see him borrow time from artists to go meet with them to record a, a single track and then he'll go somewhere else to record another track and kind of do this kind of a patchwork album of like I'm going to get this done any way I can. And it's like really motivational to watch him not give up and to just really be flexible to make it happen. And we feel this way. And when he gets injured in his car accident and his wire and he gets his jaw wired shut, we feel the the slowing of his career. We feel that, oh now we're only seeing him in the dentist's office getting his wires taken off now we're seeing him you know talk to people and tell them like yo like i really want to make, really make this album happen how can i get to you what can i do and you're really worried that oh man like is he going to be able to make it happen even though we know he will but the way that cootie has this cut and shot you just feel the drama in those moments and it really makes you feel like you're a part of that room a part of that discussion and a part of the growth of this artist and so when we find Finally, get to see him make college strap out. We get to finally see him go to the Grammys and win. And we get to see him be, you know, acknowledge his greatness. We feel amped. We feel pumped. And what's amazing is we see the beginning of the change as well. We see that Coody shows up at a Grammy party to do this kind of like throwback Channel Zero interview with Kanye as part of the documentary Thinking that great, this might be a great way to like wrap the original idea of the documentary. Like, great, we had you and you wanted a Grammy. Now you have one. This is a perfect, like, you know, full circle moment. And in that interview, you know, Kanye is clearly drunk. Kanye keeps getting Cootie's name wrong, even though he knows Cootie for a long time. He just keep getting, he keeps getting his name wrong. He's not really like answering the questions. And you can see that Cootie feels hurt. By this. And you can see that Kanye is kind of like picking up on that hurt. And it's just kind of like, oh, so this is the start of that change. And we watch his circle of influences change around him. Now, prior to him being famous, his support system was, you know, very overwhelmingly Chicago-based. People that he knew growing up, people that were there like, you like, we want to support and help you. And as he got, you know, more and more famous that circle changes to you know influencers to other bougie artists as opposed to his friends from back home you know his mother was his huge anchor back in the day his mother was there to support him when he wasn't feeling heard and kudi does an amazing job of just compiling so much personal footage footage of Donda who as his mother is just there and it's just his biggest cheerleader wherever she can be to support him she's there at his side giving him a thumbs up and a hug and some like great motivation and it's it, it honestly it painfully shows you how much his mother impacted his career in the early days and how her kindness was a guiding rod for him and so we see the passing of of Dunda, we see that there's a change in kanye like yes he starts out as this braggadocious rapper that's very you know similar to muhammad ali in many ways uh but he at least had the braggadocious nature of like i'm great at what i do and we can kind of be like yes you are but as he gets bigger these brags become quite different these these brags Bragg's become, I'm a god, you know, I I can make better clothes than anyone else in the world. You know, it, it becomes less about, you know, his music and more about his other obsessions with, like, fashion and things. Uh, and it fully gives us a look into his mental state. You know, after his mother passes away, the documentary goes on to say that he doesn't take a break. He continues to to tour, to make things, to 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 record. He puts himself in his work, almost like a shield from the realities of things around him. He just fully just encloses himself in this world and he becomes Yeezy. It becomes his armor. Like, I am this character. This is who I am now. At a certain point, of course, you know, Kudi and Kanye split up. And in the third episode, you know, Kudi narrates that Kanye and him have not spoken at a certain point in six years and they, you know, grew apart. And in that time, our only connections to Kanye uh, in, the, in the documentary are just social media posts or news clippings. And of course, these news segments and the social media posts are of the Kanye we know now being Kanye. And when we finally, you know, get that moment with Kudi and Kanye. Kudi acknowledges that he doesn't really know how to comment on these changes in Kanye. He's he's a bit insecure now that he's back in the space again, and he feels like he wants to be there, but he doesn't want to rock the boat. And that definitely changes the, the dynamic of their friendship. I mean, mind you, up until that point, like they're very much like brothers, you know, they're having a lot of dialogue, yet here he is in these scenes with Kanye where he's having these very sporadic speeches or discussions and Cody kind of just sits back and watch. And it's kind of like, you know, he doesn't want to say anything about it. And I think a great scene that encapsulates this so much is the scene where Kanye is uh, at his recording studio in Cody, Wyoming, and he's having this very long discussion about how God speaks through him and how he sees things differently. And as he's talking, there's like a room full of people around him who are just kind of staring at him. And it's not really like there's a dialogue going on. It's just Kanye talking at them. And it's a great juxtaposition because in the first episode, Kanye's in a very similar room with his other friends in Chicago. And they're also talking about music, but everyone's also chiming in with Kanye and they're laughing and they're having fun. Whereas in this one, Kanye is just talking at people, and his conversation is just, it isn't lucid. It's as if he's pulling his thoughts like out of the air and kind of running like, and and he's kind of making like ad libs of them. And there are several other moments captured in this documentary that Cootie decides to cut the camera off. Even though he's the documentary, he decides that, you know what, I don't think I can keep recording you because. It's not coherent and it looks bad, which, again, is, you know, breaking some other rules of, you know, being a documentarian of like recording everything. It's like, I'm just not – I'm your friend, so I can't record this. And so he just cuts it off. And I think there are just, you know, there was a, a conversation where Kanye was talking about how he had to be admitted to a psychiatric uh care because his brain was bigger than his skull, and that he has to take medication before he meets with people so he can have his alien language be translated into English language for people to understand him. You can clearly see that at a certain point at a certain point the camera kind of like wiggles and points down and it goes off because you can see that that Cootie's like, I can't. I can't record this. I, this is just too much. And what's worse is that, like Kanye has gone from having a supportive, uh, engaging group to having just people who just kind of sit and just nod their head at him. Like, yeah, Kanye, you wanna you wanna run for president? You got it. Let's let, let's make that happen. He had a whole thing about how he doesn't like to say the word excited anymore because excited can be dangerous because like what if you're excited about getting a new car and you cross the street and a car hits you get into your new car and you're dead now so he like he likes to say energized instead of excited and it's like cool kanye don't know where we got i don't know how we got here but like cool my guy fantastic and i think like the the cherry on top of all of this interesting behavior is um as you all know kanye Attempted to run for president. Um, and he held a press conference to talk about his platform. Uh, and at that press conference, he talked about how he wants to give women a uh, million dollars if they haven't had an abortion. Uh, he talks about, again, slavery things. Uh, but he also gets support where, he's, where he says that his father wanted his mother to have an abortion when she was pregnant with him and how he almost had Kim have an abortion or something of that nature. Uh, and then he cried. For, for, for a good minute and then everyone was like there's something wrong with kanye we gotta check on kanye uh in the fallout of that he's watching that clip on a tucker carlson show and everyone around him is like trying to is trying to communicate that tucker carlson's kind of not a great person but tucker carlson begins to give kanye west compliments about his speech and kanye is like Cheering like yeah, he gets me. He understands me. Tucker Carlson gets me, and and he turns and he smiles at the camera, and you can tell that cootie's like ah, oh, no Kanye, no. Oh, I wish I wish Kanye well, but man, this was this was a hard one, y'all. If you're a fan, you'll enjoy segments of it. If you're not a fan, you will be distracted by just. The anxiety of wondering, like, how is Kanye's mental health? Who's checking on him? Is he going to be okay? I mean, I can see why Kanye was on Twitter demanding to get the final edits before he approved it. But, of course, Netflix is like, now we good. It was surprising to see that at the film's release uh kanye showed up and gave kudi a hug Uh, i hope things are fine with them i'm not sure what's going to happen with these people in the future but this is very interesting and it also is just it's a very it's a very vulnerable side of kanye that's being shown to the world and it explains a lot about kanye and who he is so overall as someone who's not a fan five out of ten I would say, if you're a fan of him and his music, it's gonna be higher. If you're a, if you're a musician looking for inspiration, the first two episodes I would say are gonna be your like your go to. They give you a lot of motivation because if Kanye had to do all these things and he still made it happen, maybe you two can do all these things. So if you're looking for motivation as a musician, hey, here you go. And before we go on to our next topic, here's a promo for an awesome podcast you should definitely be checking out. If you're into Netflix original films, if you appreciate unpretentious movie reviews, and if you're the kind of person who knows that despite our political differences, we can unite over the love of a good movie or the abject loathing of a terrible one, then we might just have the podcast for you really thought we talked about not saying it like that like what okay anyway the podcast is called watching netflix without you and to listen you can visit our website for a list of podcast players wnwipodcast.com slash subscribe seriously like what i swear to god And lastly, y'all, we're going to talk about love is blind. Now, y'all, I love, I love trash TV. I love it. Num, 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 num. Give it to me. Slop, slop. Uh, but I have to say, I have uh, avoided uh, the reality TV dating shows. Um, now, I, I, of course, blame this on... Um, the overconsumption of all the flavors of love spinoffs that I watched in the early aughts. So, uh, yeah, I was late to the Love is Blind game, but your boy is here for season two. And, ooh, y'all, I cannot believe I didn't catch this last season. This show is messy. These people are messy. Uh, let's just start off with like my faves and my least faves. Okay. So my favorite couple. And again, it's very slim pickings, is Jarrett and Ayana. Now, Jarrett, a little bit, I am still a little kind of miffed that he chose to hit on Mallory in Mexico, and I'm hoping that that gets addressed, but I'm hoping he decides to, you know, be an honest man with Ayana because she seems to be very much into him, even though she also has some interesting things that I'm just hoping also get addressed. Like, Hungry didn't have any family with her. Like, like, Hungry had, like, no friends during her wedding thing it was just her like four year older parents which i'm also like how old are those people because either because again i know that i know that black don't crack but they look like they might be five years or maybe eight years older than she is who knows least favorite couple nick and danielle like real talk danielle and folks who know the show i had to keep rewinding the episode, whenever there was a fight. Because I had to be like, am I not hearing the dialogue right? Am I tripping? Because it sounds like he didn't say that. But she seems very convinced that he said something else. And every time I rewound, I'm like, oh no, you are just ridiculous. And none of that happened and you are fully in your head. I couldn't do it, y'all. I couldn't do it. And I know it's probably... She's already said she's insecure, but she's insecure to the point of self-sabotage. And like, hey, patience is key in that, you know, scenario, but I couldn't do it, y'all. Like, I feel like after like the fourth fight, I'd be like, yo, can we can we do therapy? Because I can't keep doing the emotional lifting of this relationship where I have to fully flesh out what I said to you and try to convince you that, A, I like you, and B, I didn't say a mean thing to you. It's Watching it was taxing on my brain. Oh my God. Uh, It's it's too much. Favorite person? It's got to be Sal. Sal's a sweetheart. Sal looks like the kind of guy that truly believes that rom-coms can be real life. I think he was very nice, very kind, an oversharer. I think a lot of these points come from the fact that when he said no to Mal uh, at the wedding, he, of course, talked to her family, which is hard to do. Like, like when when on the show, all the people said no, like, I didn't. I didn't give them any flat for walking clear out. Like, that's fine. Like, you, it's embarrassing. You walk out. You want to get out of there. That's fine. But the fact that this man said no and then turned to the family to talk to them was huge. That takes a lot of gumption and not many people would do that. So big ups to you, Sal. Favorite person. My least favorite person, hands down, is Shane. Hands down. I don't know. I don't know what drugs this man is on. One of them, all of them. But in every scene of this show, homeboy looks like he is tweaking. He moves like his body is covered in ants. And I just, like, if you want to, everyone's seen all the clips of Shane. Specifically when he's, like, at the wedding and he, like, is just, swinging his arms around he like cracks his neck and he's like, it's just like, dude, like what is happening? Like you are turned up on your wedding day. Like you couldn't, you could have said no, not today. Like he clearly is on something. Uh, and worse than that, he is the king of gaslighting. Uh It's just, he cannot take accountability for anything he does. It's always like, was, uh, I don't understand why you why that's a bother to you. Like, I mean, like I feel like I'm trying my best over here, and I feel like you're not, you know, even acknowledging that. I feel like you're not giving me enough compliments. Like, dude, you don't need that many compliments. You'll be all right. Like, it's it's too much. Like the fact that this man wanted so many compliments. It's like my guy, my guy. You are also insecure. You're also very insecure. You gotta calm that stuff down, and Natalie, girl, you are so confident in your in your confessionals. So confident, like you came into the show and you you told you fooled me. You came in there like I know what I'm looking for. You, I thought you had this like this great head and your shoulders, and for you to pick that that like six foot tall eight year old is beyond me. Like I. Do not understand what was the rationale on that. Like you kept saying, like, "Oh, he's the opposite of me. If the opposite of you is a jackass, that's not good. The bar is set way too low. The opposite of you shouldn't be trash, okay? It should not be trash. And I truly feel that if Shane and Natalie didn't have that fight before the wedding, Natalie would have said yes. I truly feel had Shane not told her I hate you and I wish I never met you when he was drunk, that she would have fully gone through with this relationship, and that to me is disappointing. That this man's full behavior had to get to that point for you to be like, mm, maybe not, mm, maybe not. And I think bonus least favorite person is Shake. I mean, we all knew there was going to be Shake. Like, I and I feel like with Shake, I'm mostly disappointed because i feel like in the beginning we were all fooled like oh deep somehow changed shake into a respectable human being don't know how she did it but she did it shakes respectable now and then of course lo and behold he all of a sudden's like oh i'm not physically into you after this man was all after this man grabbed her booty on tv y'all This man grabbed her cheeks on TV, gave him a couple of squeezes, and then it's like, "Mm, not interested now. And truly, I I think what happened, my hypothesis on Shake is that he was in the experiment. He was just with all the dudes. There's all this testosterone, all this pent-up sexual frustration. He finally sees a woman, and he's like, Oh, like, oh, I cannot wait to touch you. Hadn't seen a woman in a minute. And then the moment they're out of the combine, it's like, oh, I got my phone back. I'm hitting up all my shorties. like, oh, yeah, I have other options. I think once he got out, he fully was like, you know what? I don't want to get married. And I can still have hookups and I want that instead of this. And instead of saying anything about it, he's chose just to keep going through, keep streaking deeps along. Oh, I see us getting married, having three kids, uh, you know, we're gonna move in together. I'm going to have my hospital you know i'll support you he had all this like bs for her knowing full well he was not into her and that's not okay that's messed up dude and it was also super low class of you for when she like says no i want someone that's into me you flipped the whole thing like great i'm glad she said no because man if i had gone first i would have said yeah and then she would have said yeah so man she did me a big favor like dude You were hurt, it's okay to say that. You didn't have to make it this whole thing of like, man, dodge the bullet, oof. Don't do that, man. You were embarrassed, own that stuff, own it. Anyway, y'all, the reunion happens today, the day that this episode is out, and I have a few predictions of the reunion, and I think I might be right on a few of these. I think I might be right. I might be right. Jared and Ayana, for Jared and Ayana, I think they're going to have a fight. The, they will definitely show the clip where Jared's telling Mallory like, hey, yo, he, he, he got you the wrong ring. I would have got you the right ring because you like gold. I know you like gold. Like, oh, you like men like me, don't you? But, like, that's going to cause a fight. And this is going to definitely lead to Mal and Jared having a back and forth about like, yeah, I made a mistake when I, you know, when I, when, when I didn't like, you know, marry you, Jared, or hey, but now like, you know, we're not interested in each other. That's going to happen. My super spicy, spicy hope is that we find out that, Jared and broke up and Mal and Jared together that'd be extra spicy extra messy but you know that's probably not gonna happen but hey put it up there uh, Shane and Natalie. we will most likely see Shane gaslight Natalie some more um, we'll see him tweak some more on that couch we'll see Natalie cry because she takes on the emotional weight of both individuals when she shouldn't take on both the weight I do hope that someone stands up for her on that couch that someone's like no Shane's a dick not you Natalie and I hope that someone asks him like yo like why do you tweak like that like are you on drugs like, I do hope that's a question someone asks. because it's a very it's fully apparent that there's something up with this guy either he's tweaking or something's happening but I love I would love to have that addressed you know, for Mal and Sal, I think we get the reveal that they're friends. Um, I think that they definitely maybe had something. I know that Mallory wasn't feeling it in the in the beginning. I mean, even she sits to herself, she wasn't attracted to him. And I think by the end of it all, when he told her no, that she just seemed over the whole thing. I mean, I know he said we should date, but it seems like she was kinda like, Uh-huh, yeah, sure, whatever. I think they'll be friends, which is fine. But yeah, I think Mal's kind of like, I'm done with this whole thing. This is like not not what I want to be at right now uh as for nick and danielle i'm pretty sure we'll see them have another fight they'll probably talk about the fights they'll probably talk about her insecurity some more and then we'll maybe get the plug of like danielle's pregnant what What?" yay just what we need two couples who can't stand each other and a baby so good so fun uh shakes and deeps i'm hoping that deeps airs shake out I'm hoping that she drags him on this show. This man is so insecure and I want her to drag him respectfully or disrespectfully. I just want her to lay into this man because of what he did to her. It's not okay. And I hope every woman on that couch lays into him. I hope they pull back. Hope they pull up every woman who was also with them so they can all say, like, Shake is terrible, Shake is gross, we didn't like Shake, so we can fully realize how low of a person he is. Uh, he almost has no redeeming qualities, except he, of course, is a veterinarian who saves the lives of animals, so that is his one saving grace. But otherwise, air him out. And then uh, Kyle and Shayna, I cannot believe uh, they tried <laughs> make this work y'all i cannot believe it i hope one uh that kyle calls out shana's religious bs i mean this was the same woman that was telling shane she likes sex five times a day and then all of a sudden is like a virgin mary with kyle like oh we can't sleep in the same bed together uh yeah that's weird that's uh suspicious you know like that needs to be acknowledged like there was something clearly wrong and it was that yo she wasn't into you to begin with uh also like Kyle isn't innocent. I hope that they can talk about how creepy Kyle behaved. Like, dude, it was a no go from the moment y'all argued about religion, and you just got creepier and possessive. It was like, no, we can still do this. No, you just don't want to try. We just got to try it out. We can make this work. It's okay. We don't have to like the same things. And it's like, dude, like, she's giving you multiple exits. And instead of you choosing to take the exit, your response is, you know what? We should move in together. <laughs> Dude, come on. You're not like, like, are are you are you are you 15? That is not how relationships work. She doesn't want to be with you. And you kept making it awkward, be like, nah, just try. Nah, just try. Like both of y'all are wrong for each other, but still dude, like you could have left her. You didn't need to take it this far and you only made it worse for yourself. And like, y'all, either way, like I'm going to post reactions the night of tonight. I might even post them the next day, but like it's going to be stressful. It's going to be anxiety filled. Uh, and I got to admit y'all, like since I've been bitten by this bug, I've been watching Love is Blind Brazil and Japan and like the drama is universal, y'all. The drama is universal. So definitely check it out. Mm-mm-mm, that drama, mm-mm. And with that, folks, we have ended our robust episode of Marlin's Corner. Uh, I hope you all are going to check out the reunion episode tonight. Let me know what you think. Uh, drop me some comments. Send me some DMs. Let me know your reactions because I know it's going to be messy and I am excited for it. And hopefully you can join me back here next time next week for some more messy, garbage fun on Marlin's Corner. You'll have a great one and I'll catch you next time. Peace. episode of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.